Welcome to another exciting episode of Feasting at the Table with Grace Tom Lawyer. Feasting at the Table is a Bible study program that seeks to apply the truth of God's word to our everyday life. It is a feast and so there's something for everyone. Get ready for a fresh, anointed and timely word from God. Hello, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome to another episode of Feasting at the Table. I'm excited today because we're beginning a new series and the title of our series is Joseph, The Surrendered Life. And the Joseph we're talking about this time is the Joseph we all personally perhaps know. The Joseph that is being talked about in this season, it is Joseph, the husband of Mary. Yes, the foster father of Jesus. That is who we refer to him as. This is the Joseph we will be studying. There's a lot that has been studied about the other Joseph, the Joseph of the Old Testament. We know so much about him. I think we, even on this program, have actually done some things about him, discussing him, understanding him. And um, I think that was a long time ago, but this time around, we're looking at the life of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And so I'd like us to turn our Bibles as we usually do in this season. I hope we are prepared for the season we are in. I hope we're not just buying gifts and um, forgetting about the person who has actually made it possible for us to buy all the gifts or to have all the gifts because if Jesus did not come, we'll not be talking about Christmas. So this morning we're going to be starting by looking at the life of Joseph. Um, Just a little background. Joseph happens to be the foster father, as we said, of Jesus. When we're introduced to Joseph in the Bible, it starts with the book of Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament. Matthew begins with the genealogy of Jesus and begins to trace the 14 generations, trace Jesus from Abraham down to David and all of that to King David. If we look at there are three 14 generations that are listed there before he comes to who Joseph is. And we see at the end of the day that Joseph is a descendant of King David. And that actually is a fulfillment of God's promise to King David. And I want it to be an assurance to us about the promise of God to us. God said to David that, listen, and this happened when David began to talk about, oh, I want to build a temple for God. I live in a house of Sarah and the house of God is a place of tents. And David was troubled in his heart. This is the grand, 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 grandfather of Joseph. Struggled with his heart, and then he called the prophet and said to the prophet, Oh, I want to do this for God. And the prophet said, Oh, do all that's in your heart. And as the prophet walked away to do to, to say to go, you know, God spoke to the prophet and said, Oh, say to David that no, your hand will not build me a temple because your hand has shed a lot of blood. Your son will build the temple. And because you've even thought to do this, listen, there will not be state, there will not ever ever be someone on your throne or from your lineage upon the throne. And I will give you a kingdom, you know, someone from your lineage will come and it will rule forever i know and that was the fulfillment when jesus came and as we begin to look at the book of matthew we see that matthew happens to be someone who wrote the gospel to the jews you know he wanted them to see that this jesus is the promised messiah and many times in the book of matthew we'll find matthew saying as it is written as it is written as it is written referring to the old testament so that people will be able to correlate and so we see here that when we look at joseph we see joseph is coming from a lineage from a heritage of people 
people who feared God, from a heritage, from someone who had a covenant with God. And when Joseph comes on the scene, Joseph is actually a fulfillment of the promise of God. And then when we look at the life of Joseph and May, we find out that in the life of May, what was happening was she was a fulfillment of the promise of God. The sign that God promised in the book of Isaiah that behold, a virgin will give forth a son and you will call his name Emmanuel. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So let's be encouraged this morning. Let's just be encouraged about the promises of God, about the fact that God is able and is willing to keep his promises. And so if we'll turn our Bibles this morning as we begin this study to the book of Matthew, we say it is Joseph the surrendered life. And every time we talk about surrender, I think one of the very first things that comes to me is a picture of surrender. And when we say picture of surrender, if we've watched a lot of films and a lot of things, I think the very first picture that comes to us, a graphic picture of surrender is someone lifting up both hands. You know, when you lift up both hands, what you're saying is, it's no longer in my hands. I'm leaving it all to you. I'm giving it all to you. And that's the kind of life God expects us to live, the surrendered life. So when we say the surrendered life, we're saying it's the life that is lived in the hands of God. It's the life that has given, you know, because when we lift up our hands to surrender, what we're saying is that God we trust you. What we're saying is that God we trust the things that you are doing. What we're saying is that God we would follow your program. What we're saying is that God we will not act on our own. We'll make sure that before we make major decisions, minor decisions, all that we're going to do, we're going to make sure that it's tallying to what you said. And, and sometimes it's not just seeing God coming to speak to us. Sometimes it is what is in God's word that we align our lives to. And then the Holy Spirit also that indwells us actually begins to tell us or certain behavior, certain things, oh, this is not right, oh, act nicer, oh, do this, oh, do that. And as we begin to do those things, guess what, child of God, that is the act of the surrendered life. The surrendered life, I believe, is a life that is that is disciplined, is a life that is actually lived under the X-ray of the Holy Spirit. We'll call it a life that is undergoing sanctification. When it comes to sanctification, I know that there are some people who think that, oh, there's a second blessing of sanctification and all of that. But if we study the scriptures clearly, you find out that when it comes to sanctification, we've got the past, we've got the present, and we've got the future, we've got the past, it's been done in Jesus, we've got the present, which is what we do on a daily basis, the Bible says that we are being changed, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I believe verse 15, to his image from glory to glory, and this is by the Spirit of God, so we are being changed, you know, by the Spirit of God, that ongoing sanctification, that work that the Holy Spirit wants us to work in accordance with him, is, is that that is the kind of work that will bring about a surrendered life, the kind of work. And the surrendered life is the life that God wants to see. I, I think I, I think a great definition of the surrendered life is something we would see. And let's just turn our Bibles there first quickly in the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I think that, that gives us a picture of a surrendered life. And I'm going to look at this from the King James and I'll read it from the message because I believe that the message has a very a very literal translation that brings the story to, to book. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable sacrifice. Amen. It says, I beseech you. You know, it's going to be at the mercies of God to present your bodies holy and acceptable 
unto God, which is your reasonable sacrifice. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. So let's look at it from um, the message translation because that will help us. It says, yes, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and working around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Hallelujah. Praise God. I believe that that's it. Let's go further. I'll just go further just to give us a picture. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to his level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-matured well-formed maturity in you. I think I'll look at it from the TPT version. It says, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices. Hallelujah. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like the fact that even the TPT uses the word surrender. It says, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices. So when it comes to the surrendered life, child of God, it's something we do on a daily basis. It's something that is going to affect our decisions. It's something that affects our eating, drinking, talking, chopping, going about doing life as it were. This are the things that affect us and the bible tells us here that um the bible tells us here that we should leave them up unto god hallelujah praise the lord praise the lord praise the lord so let's um let's begin to look at joseph so what we're saying the surrendered life we're saying that we're looking at someone whose everyday life was unto god we're looking at someone who as it were he's a prototype of what it means to live a surrendered life And I believe that as we study his life, we'll see some things in his life that will help us also in our life. Because at the end of the day, that's the reason and that's the, the, the reason for Bible study. So if we can turn our Bibles now and we'll go to Matthew chapter 1. We said that in Matthew chapter 1, we've got the genealogy of Jesus. And it is this genealogy that we are dealing with. So let's go to Matthew chapter 1. And the very first one says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Say, ties Jesus to two very great people, David and Abraham. And if we continue to read there, we'll read all of the generations, all of the generations, all of the generations until we come to, let's stop and come to verse 17. Praise the Lord. It says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away, into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the kind he went to Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now, the bed of Jesus Christ was on this wise when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away. So, let's read that again. It says, So now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was exposed to Joseph, before they became together, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. 
Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he taught on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not thou to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived is her is of the Holy Ghost. And but she shall and she shall bear bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all all these things was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with a child, and we shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did the, as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And he knew not not until she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. I know that's a lot of King James translation there. He knew her not. That means he did not have any sexual relationships with her, even though he had the legal right to have it. He didn't touch her until she gave birth to Jesus. And we'll talk about that later. But for the first thing we see here is the fact that Joseph is a descendant of King David. He's in the line of a good and a great heritage. And the Bible tells us here that he was engaged to Mary. Those days, their engagement at that particular time in Jesus' time was a very serious one. You know, people did an engagement ceremony, the families were involved. And then after the engagement, it usually took about one year. It took that time so that the the husband-to-be gets himself prepared. He goes to build a, a house for his wife, the house, house that his wife would live in, and just gets to prepare for the things of the marriage. And, and that's not a thing that you just break away silently. It's a thing that says, uh, if you're going to break it away, it's going to be something that will be done publicly. Everybody would know. And that was the position that Mary and Joseph were in. It was an exciting time for them, I believe, looking forward to getting married, looking forward to living ever happily after till their lives, as it were, were interrupted. We're not discussing Mary today, but I think it's been, we're not discussing Mary in this study, but I think we'll not be, we'll, we'll give a complete picture of what's happening. We have to remember what happened to Mary herself. This was a virgin, most likely, like what Bible scholars have told us, she was a, she was a teenager, you know, waiting to get married, and she gets this visitation by the angel telling her that listen you're you're the one that's been chosen you are highly favored and when we say at that point for her it's almost like chosen for trouble how can she be pregnant when she has not met a man and then the angel appeared the angel actually spoke to her if you look at the account in Luke Luke actually gives us that account in Luke chapter 1 explains to her what's going to happen that the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow her and then that which is in her is going to be of God I remember a friend of mine was trusting God for the fruit of the womb for over 10 years and at one point in time this particular verse you know that Mary did became quickened for her you know she started reading this verse and, and saying that the Holy Spirit will overshadow me I will conceive and all of that and I thank God today that you know that request the request of the past she's got two children right now and I tell you that the scriptures can come so alive to us. There is power in the scriptures. So we see that Mary, so that's what happened to Mary. Mary indeed genuinely had an encounter. She wasn't, um, she didn't slip around or anything like that. It was an encounter. It was a fulfillment of what God's word had said. And so I believe she must have talked about it and she knew what that meant. I mean, getting pregnant before the wedding. And if that's been done in the Old Testament, it was such a grievous thing, you know, sexual 
immorality was not tolerated at all. If we remember the story of that lady who was born before Jesus, people said to her, oh, this woman was caught in the act. The Lord Moses says we should stone her. That was probably what was going to happen to Mary as in she had committed fornication, quote and unquote. That was what the people would have interpreted it at because that had never happened before. But you know, the word of God was already there and it had said something about it. And I believe Mary took her time and then she came to say to Joseph, hey, can you just imagine Joseph hearing that kind of thing? And perhaps in our days we'll say, what do you mean? I want to thank God for the life of Joseph because the first thing he did was not to tweet it. The first thing he did was not to go about telling everybody in Bethlehem, in, Bethlehem, but, uh, in, in their community, but rather the Bible says that he taught about these things. I want to believe that he was worried. I want to believe that he was thinking, oh, how best do I go about this? Oh, I have been betrayed. Oh, I, someone that I love, look at what has happened. And when we look to the word of God, we see that the people in the word of God experience the same emotions that we experience. We see Joseph here facing as it were query, query betrayal. The love of his life, who he's planning to get married to, has gone to get has gone and has become pregnant. Most likely she has been unfaithful, but guess what? She says that's not what happened. Can he trust her? And as he's thinking about what he's going to do about the child of God, guess what the Bible says? The Bible says that as he talks about these things, an angel of God appeared to him in a dream. I think that that's one of the ways that God spoke to a lot of people in the Old Testament. In short, when we're studying life of Cornelius, we found out that you know dreams were something that happened. But well, in Cornelius, in Cornelius' case, he did have an open vision. But if we look at the life of Joseph here, we'll find out that speaking to him in dreams was a pattern that God used for him. Hallelujah. Yes, it's important for us to understand that God speaks to us through different ways. One of the surest ways God speaks to us is God speaks to us through the word. He speaks to us through the word. And when we look at the life of Joseph, the surrendered man, we will find out a surrendered life that this was someone who had a communication with God. There was communication between God and Joseph, be it by dream, be it by the scriptures. We can also see it by the scriptures because by the time the angel was trying to say to Joseph that, listen, this person, this thing that Mary is talking to you about is true. He quoted the scriptures to him. So if we're going to live a surrendered life, child of God, we have to have a communication between ourselves and God. The lines of communication need to be clear. The lines of communication does not need to be blocked. The lines of communication should not be cluttered. The lines of the communication should be fair and free. Guess what? Here, the Bible says that as Joseph thought about these things, an angel appeared. And the angel said to him, listen, Joseph, Mary is not lying. Listen, Joseph, what Mary has said to you is the truth. Do not be afraid to take her as your wife. Hallelujah. And there's something here that I would like us to see about the life of Joseph. The Bible says that he taught about being a just man. He knew what the law was. He knew what the law stated, but he loved Mary. He did not want to make her a public example because sometimes we, we, we find people um, who say they're in love and then maybe the marriage doesn't work and then you just see the very worst of the very worst. You know, we start behaving nasty to those people because perhaps the relationship we had with them did not work the way we wanted it to work. Let's look at the life of Joseph to tell us what we should do when our relationships don't work well, how we should react to people when the relationships we have with them don't go the way we want to. We should still be gracious. That's the word. Joseph was gracious. He was
was godly, but he was gracious. I'd like us to look at that verse again because it tells me a lot about a surrendered life. It tells me how a surrendered life treats betrayal because that's one of the things that's going to happen to us as human beings. Bible says here that Joseph, 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 let's look at it. So it's Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. It says that Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. And I know that that might sound very King Jamesy to us. So let's look at it and compare it in other translations. I'm turning the words compared to other translations. Let's look at what New Living Translation says concerning this verse. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. He decided to break the engagement quietly. I like what the easy version says concerning Joseph. He says that Joseph was a good man. He wanted to do what was right. He did not want her to become ashamed in front of people. So he decided to stop their marriage secretly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was a good man. That the Bible says that he's a just man. Uh, let's see what, what the message says. It says that the birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph before they came to the marriage bed. Joseph discovered she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Ghost, but he didn't know that. Joseph, charging but noble, determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. So Mary would not be disgraced. I think I'll stop in the TPT version. It says, her fiancé Joseph was a righteous man full of integrity and he didn't want to disgrace her. But when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the engagement. He secretly planned to break the engagement. The amplifier says he planned to send her away and divorce her quietly and deserves her quietly. Oh, I love what the plain English version says. It says, Joseph found out that May was going to have a baby, and he was not happy. He knew that the baby wasn't his, so he wanted to leave Mary, but he was a good man, and he didn't want to shame her, so he thought, I would just live quietly without any argument. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That is a prototype of a surrendered life. The Bible says that he was a good man. The Bible says he was a righteous man. The Bible says that he wanted to do what was right, but he didn't want to disgrace Mary. He didn't want to throw away their years of relationship just because of one incident. And child of God, I wonder sometimes, you know, we one, one thing happens and we just throw away many years of relationship we've had with people. Why? Because we are upset. Why? Because we are not happy. Why? Because what they're saying doesn't make sense. Why? Look at the Davis in Joseph's case. Where? Who has heard about it before? And the Bible says that he was angry. He didn't want to have anything to do. He, he didn't want to do it. He, he didn't want anything to be done like, you know, publicly. Oh, come and see what she's done. He just said, oh, I'll just do this quietly so that the whole story will end. But child of God, the Bible says that while he was thinking about these things, that an angel appeared. An angel came and reassured him and told him to do these things. And guess what? Joseph got up and did what the angel had said. And I want to say again, dear child of God, that a surrendered life is a life that is quick to obedience. A surrendered life is a life that is quick to obedience. That that life that is surrendered is not a life that has made rigid decisions. It's a life that is malleable. It's a life that when the word of God comes, he can adjust. When the word of God comes, and the word of God, that's what the word of God is. The Bible says that we look, we behold us in a glass. It's a mirror that, you know, that when we read the word of God and we don't obey, that then we're like the man who comes to mirror, sees his reflection and doesn't do anything. And I believe that God wants us to have the word of God so that we will be changed continuously 
till we become like Christ, till all that we are become like Jesus. Amen. So we see here that the, Joseph, the surrendered life, is that life that would live as it were under the auspices of the Holy Spirit. Is that life that would be malleable? We see him here. The angel said to him, Joseph, don't be afraid. What Mary has said to you is the truth. And he didn't wake up thinking, oh, maybe I was just overthinking this thing. No, he woke up and realized that this was God that was speaking to him. And the angel also quoted to him, said to him, quoted the scriptures to him. And I believe that Joseph was a man of the scriptures because as the angel said to him, oh, this is what the scripture says. What you experience in your home is actually a living translation of the word of God. Joseph agreed and he got up and the Bible says he took Mary as his wife. And then we see about the third thing in the life of Joseph here, who is a surrender life. Is a surrender life has got self-control. Hallelujah. There is a lot of self-control in the life of Joseph. Let's look at it. The Bible says here that even well, after that, even when they came together and they eventually got by, the Bible says that he did not sleep with her until she had given birth to her first son. He didn't want to interfere with anything. He just said, let's leave this until she had given birth to her firstborn son. That was when the things generated, things began for them again. Because the Bible makes us understand that Jesus had some other brothers and some other sisters. And we will come to that in a while as we continue on these studies. So we've seen here the life of Joseph as in we're beginning to study his life. We're looking at the surrendered life. We say that to surrender, you know, it is um that we, we said that the surrendered life is God's desire for us as his children. And surrendering means yielding. And we say when we talk about the surrendered life, what we're saying is that it's a life that is yielded to God. It's a life that is, that is lived under, as it were, the authority of God. And we've looked at it very succinctly from the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where Eugene Peterson's prophet talks about using our everyday life, everything that we do, our eating, our drinking, our going to work, going to church, everything, living in the family. You know, the Bible says that using it in such a way that it will please God, that it will please God. And we said we're looking at the life of Joseph because he's an example of what it means for a life to be surrendered. He's an example for of what it means for a life to be saying, not my will, God, but let your will be done. Not my thoughts, God, not the way I would like it to be, but the way you want it to be. Let it be done in that way. That is what we see in Joseph's life. Because we see Joseph here, the Bible says concerning him, that lo and behold, he saw, you know, that Mary, Mary came to him with this story. And Bible says that being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, he said he wanted to do it privately. But the Spirit of God spoke to him. He wanted to do it privately. But the angel came and revealed to him in a dream that this thing that you are seeing, this thing that Mary is talking to you about, it is of God. And the Bible says when he woke up, he took Mary as his wife. He was quick to obedience. He was quick to obedience. The surrender life one is a life as it were. That does things properly because we see him here. The Bible says he was engaged. He and Mary were not sleeping together. They were not, you know, partnering together. No, 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 no. No, they were engaged to be married and he knew that it was until marriage time until the marriage ceremony had been done that he could sleep with her and before then in the midst of it guess what happens there's a betrayal there so it's a seemingly betrayal because sometimes we may do the right thing and it might not work out it might just be a sudden or you know a temporary roadblock and all we have to do is to persist he's, he's done the right thing he's engaged to marry he's waiting for their, for their marriage and no baby has come with this story but the Bible makes us to understand that why 
he thought about this things, he meditated on it. I believe that he must have also prayed about it, that God spoke to him. And we see here that the surrendered life is a life that keeps communication. Their communication lies open in a surrendered life with the Spirit of God. And the third thing we see here about a surrendered life is that there is quick obedience. The Bible says that he obeyed. He made, when he woke up, he took Mary as his wife. So that before the story belongs, the Bible also says there, also concerning that, you know, we see here that his other life is a life that has self-control, that even after the baby was born, he did not touch Mary until, he didn't touch her until she had had her first son. That was when he began to have sexual relations with him, with her. And I tell you, that was a lot, a lot, a lot of self-control. So that's where we're going to stop in our study today as we are looking at the life of Joseph, the surrendered life. By God's grace, the next time we meet, we will continue on this. But this is what we're going to stop, where we're going to stop by today. And I want us to, to ask ourselves, are we quick to obedience? When people offend us, do we want to throw the them under the bus do we want to you know just make an open show or those who have offended us if they do something wrong do we want to make an open show of those things or like joseph are we going to be godly and gracious like joseph are we going to be righteous and gracious are we going to be righteous and gracious, listening and taking heed to the word of God? Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for what you've taught us in the life of Joseph. Lord, we bring ourselves before you and we ask that you will help us. We pray that you will cause us, oh God, to live the life that will please you. We pray that, God, our everyday life will be a surrender to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we believe you. Lord, we appreciate you. Father, we pray that as we continue this study that you help us father to live a life that is surrendered in the name of Jesus. we hope you have been blessed by the word of god today we look forward to seeing you again next time on feasting at the table